0: Welcome to the Trinity Galewood Podcast. Here you'll find teachings, sermons, discussions, and additional content all related to what's going on here at Trinity. Trinity Galewood is located at 1701, North Narragansett in Chicago, and we meet Sundays bi-weekly at 10:30 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood Podcast. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, so much that you, are working in this world, that you call us to come and follow you. And God, I pray uh, that as we look at the complexity of a simple calling, uh, may your spirit guide and lead us in uh, this discussion. May your spirit lead us uh, to excitement in that calling. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, if you're with us last week, we are uh, at week number two of this message series called uh, Follow. And this comes from uh, these words of Jesus. Jesus was a historical figure, a person who walked the earth. And when he came to this place, starting his ministry, he invited people to follow him. And if you were here last week, who remembers this? We had you, like, all stand up. Remember this? Shake your head if you're here, all right? So we stood up, and we talked about how in ancient times, uh, kind of the religion of that time would say, like, did you meet the requirements? Did you memorize the first five books of the Bible? And if that's the requirement, then we're all in trouble, right? Somebody say amen there. So, like, like what do you mean i got to memorize all this and we talked about how like like there's this disqualification that sometimes comes with religion but instead what jesus came to do is that he came to invite those who seemed to be disqualified it was radical during that time jesus came and he flipped things upside down and said there's a new way of how this is supposed to look and And in that, we discussed how with this new way of him calling us to follow him, that there can be like three emotions that will come that I see in this series. The first being like confusion. Like how could Jesus use me? The God of the universe who can walk on water and he's calling me to follow him. What what in the world does that mean? Or like fear. Like Like, all right, pastor, you have no idea how terrible I really am. Like, I'm going to be the one that, that God's saying that you're going to work through me. And our hope in this, in recognizing that these emotions are incredibly real, that we hope that it would lead to a place of excitement in the midst of confusion and fear, and in that light today, uh, we're gonna talk about another aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. And, and my hope is certainly that it'll give us a little bit better of an understanding from a confusion standpoint of what this looks like tangibly here today. But before we get to that, I, I wanna start this way. Have you ever fallen... Uh, prey, or maybe I shall say victim, to like a bad marketing scheme where you were kind of duped. All right. Eric is with me. I like this. All right. You know what I'm saying? Like you see the ad on TV and you're like, man, that burger looks incredible. And then you go to, no offense, Burger King, and you realize that it's like not what they said it was going to be, Right? Like, it's, it's part of marketing. It's part of the, the whole idea to get you excited about what it's supposed to be, and you feel deceived in that. Now, I must say um, that this has happened to me in a very real way, and it was with uh, this product right here, uh, known as the Ab Belt. <laughs> this was before I was married, uh, as my wife is rolling her eyes right now. I, so... I remember vividly seeing, uh, like, infomercials uh, of this product. Anybody, like, also purchase this product? Yeah, no hands. Justin, I thought you were with me, man. Yeah. No, like, like I saw this product on, 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 like, you know, it was like $149.99, you know, three payments, all this sorts of stuff. And I'm watching, like, this guy right here, like, like he looks good, right? And he's just wearing a belt, <laughs> And I remember, like, I legit got this thing, it came to my apartment, and I remember this moment of, like, having this thing strapped on me, it's vibrating, I was thinking, like, I don't know if this is really helping me at all, as I'm, like, drinking a soda, (laughs) and, like, wondering what in the world is going on, and it's a total sham, like, if you, like, hear anything from Taylor, like, I'm gonna get one of them ab belts, let me tell you right now, don't, all right? Because it's, it's all this point of what they do is they have these pads in there. And I didn't know I was going to get this descriptive with this one. But they have these pads in there that like it costs like $50 a piece for one of these pads. And they only work twice. And it was in that moment that I was like, this belt stinks. I feel like I've been duped deceived. Like I I saw something that had a first great impression, but in the end the result wasn't what I assumed it to be. And I think we see this all the time in our world. First impression seems to be great and and things are just like perfect and how they're supposed to be, but then we kind of see after time that it really isn't living up to what it's supposed to be. It's kind of interesting. uh, Looking this last week, I was doing some research on social media, which, by the way, the, the phrase social media is a fascinating phrase because we live in a time today with Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all these things where we are the most interconnected people of any generation. If something happens like in China, within like minutes, we can see a video of it happening. It's nuts how interconnected we are, how social we can be. But what's also so fascinating today is that in the midst of all of this interconnectedness, we also are starting to see, as research is coming out, that we are more isolated than any other generation before us. That people feel that while they're connected, that they're really also incredibly alone. Social media can lead us to places where we don't feel so social anymore. In fact, Forbes magazine had uh, this thought that, uh, that they were talking about. They said that social media can have a spiral of envy that develops when you see your Facebook or Instagram friends excelling or enjoying life in ways that you aren't. In this way that we might feel connected, we actually start to feel isolated and alone. Now, here's the thing. I am against the ab belt. Don't go purchase it. I'm not against social media, okay? This isn't like the things that Dave hates today, all right? Like, like social media is a great thing and, and you should follow our Facebook and Instagram pages. <laughs> right? Because we want you to be connected in. No, it's serious, like, like I'm not, like this isn't about saying that this is evil and wrong. It's actually a, a good thing, but we need to recognize that it comes with some baggage. What seems to be something that's connecting us can also lead us to isolation. And I feel that that's the reason that we need to have this conversation about the church in who we are. Because sometimes we come in with this perception about who the church is and what it is all about. And in some ways, there's, there's a lot of great things that come with the church. But, but Jesus had this assumption, in fact, I would say scripture has this assumption that is loud and clear to the people of that time, but for us as 21st century American people, we can miss the mark and we can be deceived. And it's simply this, that we can think that faith and being a part of the church is only just about me and Jesus. And that's it. We can fall into the lie of thinking that it's just about my own Personal relationship with Jesus. And my my end goal for today is this I'll lay it out. The end goal is that you would be a part of this community, that you would see that community is essential and important to being a part of the church. And the best way that we do that here at Trinity Galewood is through our small groups. That's, how, that's one of the ways. It's not the only way, but it's one of the ways. I would say the best way that we can get connected into a community is when we don't just sit in rows here, but we get to know each other and sit in circles. And I would be willing to say that, that this is at the heart of who God is. Uh, look with me here at Genesis chapter 1. In the very beginning, we read this. It says, That God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. If you know, at the beginning, Genesis, the first book of the Bible, 26 verses in, God has already been creating the earth and everything into its existence, and then he has the pinnacle of his creation, the image bearers, Adam and Eve. And we read in that 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 God describes himself as us, a plural, not singular. It is this point that God is saying, look, let us make man in our image. That there's something about who this God is that he's working within himself. Jesus would say these words in Matthew 28. We read them last week. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, explaining these three parts of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is this like ancient doctrine in the church known as the Trinity. If you weren't aware, you're sitting at a church that is named Trinity, great name for a church as well, all right? The Trinity, that that word Trinity is never found in the scriptures, but it is a doctrine that has been put, a teaching that has been put in by the church to greater explain who God is. Simply put, it works like this, that God is three distinct persons, yet one being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he's working in himself. He is community by his nature. And, and when we hear this, these words of Trinity, we might start thinking of like metaphors to explain it. We say like, okay, well, yeah, I know. So like God is like, like an egg. He's three parts in one, right? So he's uh, like the yolk and then the white part of the egg, which is really gross and lets you cook it a lot. And, and then he's like the shell. Is that what you're saying? Or God's like like a shamrock. There's like three little leaves to it. And, and see, sometimes for us, when we wrestle with this concept of who God is, we, we try to like just throw metaphors to say, okay, well, that's what it is. And, and, and in other ways, we might be on the other side here, and we say, well, like, That's just way out of my league. What in the world is Pastor Dave talking about? I don't even care that God is this Trinitarian God. See, I think we have to understand that there's something incredibly mysterious going on here. While a metaphor will always break down and is helpful for us maybe to explain it, there's a mystery that's happening in who God is and how he works in himself and we need to to dwell in that mystery. To not just say, oh, it's mysterious and I don't get it, but to see that God is continually unveiling and explaining more of what that mystery is. And he does that in community. He does that as we come together. He does that as we work together. A guy named Richard Rohr said it this way in his book, The Divine Dance, talking about the Trinity. He says that the energy that is found in the universe is not in the protons, electrons, and neutrons that exist in the world, but the energy is found in the relationship between all things. This energy is found in the relationship of all things working together. There's something powerful about community. There's something powerful about people coming together. There's something powerful about the Trinity in and of itself and how it works. And see, God is a God who's all about relationship. That's what he is. That's who he is at his very core nature. But I know this to be true, not just because of when he created things, he said, let us do this. I also know this to be true in how God fights and what God fights for. Because if you know the story, after he creates Adam and Eve, he tells them to not eat from one tree in the garden. And they go against that request being deceived by a snake in all things. And then there comes this place that we read, this is what happens. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, there's something about us that we seem to run away from community. There's something about us that we seem to not want to trust God. And if if it just would have ended there that they just like ran away, this seems like quite a depressing story. We read here that God says, but the Lord called to the man and said to him, "Where are you?" From the very beginning, God is fighting for community. He's fighting for relationship. He's desiring to bring things back to how they are supposed to be. And that's not it's not easy. It's not natural for us as people. I read this last week that this next year, studies are telling us that there will be a million people in the world who commit suicide. Think about that for a second. A million people this year will commit suicide. And I know that suicide is a very complex thing. There are many reasons that come that drive a person to get to that place, but that's literally one death every 40 seconds, that someone would feel isolated, alone, away from community. A guy, Robert Putnam, he said this in his book entitled Bowling Alone which was an important book telling us more about uh, ourselves as American people. He goes in, in the book to explain how there's something inside of us as American Western people that we seem to isolate ourselves and desire to do things on our own. The example that he uses is that bowling leagues that were popular decades ago and were like the place to be, now events like that seem to be rare. In communities. And instead, people would just prefer to bowl alone. And he says in his book that the decline of social capital, or what I would say community, has a number of consequences for society. When community is high, children do better in school, neighborhoods are safe. It's an interesting thought. People prosper, the government is better, and people are happier and healthier. A deficit in social capital or community leads to more suicide, leads to more depression, crime, and other social problems. And this is a long book that goes into all of the research of what he came to understand, why he came to those conclusions. I would recommend if you're looking for like, okay, where are you pulling that from? Read the book. It's a great book but it gives kind of a heartbeat of where we as people need to understand how damaging it is for us to live lives of isolation, of being alone, of not finding community. And see, we see that around us. We maybe even feel that ourselves, that at times we recognize that man, I am created to be around people. And this isn't like an extrovert-introvert conversation. I believe that all people are created to be around people. But this guy, Jesus, shows up thousands of years ago, and he starts this ministry. And he's the God-man. He's born like every other person has been born by or through a woman. And he comes into this world, and, and he, as God, had every right to kind of do this thing on his own. Like, this is my kingdom, he could have said. We're going to do it how I want to do it. We're going to do it my way. And I'll, I don't need anybody else. I'm God. I can do, how, do this however I desire and want. Yet Jesus never utters those words. Instead, he comes into this world and he invites other people to join him in this mission. These words that Bethany read for us this morning in in Luke chapter 8. I love this. He says this. Soon afterward, he, being Jesus, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Johanna, the wife of Chuza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. There's a couple of things I love in this transitional passage here in Luke. It says this, number one, that, that Jesus came proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. He came with this good news, and the news was this, is that God is restoring relationship. He's bringing things back to how they are supposed to be. He's coming again for us. And that's not in a creepy way. It's in a very good way that he's inviting us into relationship with him. He's restoring this relationship. And I love this because we see this all the time in scripture, that he's coming for relationship with God, but relationship with other people. this word here kind of encompasses that. It's this, a Say it with me: one, two, three, a All right, I really didn't help you there. All right, <laughs> say it with me: a It's a Greek word that literally means this: to one another. Ninety-four times in the New Testament, we read this word in Scripture. Christianity is tied to this concept that it's not just between me and God, but it's unity as a community of people as well, that I do this with one another, alelom. We see this all the time in Scripture. In fact, a third of those times that this word comes in the New Testament, it's talking about unity amongst people, words like this. It says, be at peace with one another, to accept one another, to don't bite, little strange, devour and consume one another, gently and patiently tolerate one another, bear with and forgive one another, and to confess sins with one another. This is exactly what Jesus' mission is about. He came to proclaim this good news of us and God, but also with one another. And he sealed that by his death and resurrection, by him dying on the cross, rising again from the dead, bringing restoration to relationship with God. And man, if the church could figure that out, that this is what unity looks like as well amongst us, amongst one another. But a couple of cool things here with this passage in Luke chapter 8. It says this, that there were 12 with him, talking about the 12 disciples. Remember we talked about these guys last week. They were fishermen who didn't really make the cut, but he said, hey, come and follow me. We're going to go into all these villages. And, and he also adds this. The author Luke says that there was Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out also probably known with historical account that she may have been a prostitute. Jesus calls this woman Mary to come and follow him. Later in scripture we read that she would sit at the feet of Jesus. That's not just an uncomfortable place to be. That's metaphorically saying that she followed him and listened to the teachings that he had to say. She went with him. We read also of the next person here, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, I don't know who comes up with that name, and Herod's household manager. Chusa was um, Herod's household manager. Herod was a really important figure during the time of Jesus. He was the guy who ordered the death of John the Baptist. Think about this for a second. The guy who ordered the death of the one who prepared the way for Jesus, like, There is somebody in that house that's now following Jesus. Luke's giving us an image of that this is an incredible group of people, an incredible community that's coming together. And she's following along. And then last, but certainly not least, is Susanna, another woman. And that's all I know about Susanna. Seriously, we don't know anything more about her. (laughs) But aren't we thankful that we don't? Because otherwise, it's like, man, I either have to, like, really know somebody important, work for, like, political office, or I have to have seven demons, and, you know, like, no, I love this, because the detail here is beautiful, that this is another person that is invited to come along with Jesus, This group of people who he's taking from city and village and town to go and proclaim the good news is a crazy group of people. And for whatever reason, I think I know, Jesus also invites not just some dudes to come along with him, but it's some ladies as well. And somebody say amen to that. All right. So because this isn't just a guy's thing, This is a community of people that God is coming to restore and bring things back to how they're supposed to be. And thank God that he does that. Not just personally, but something that comes together in community. And so with that being said, the question then becomes what feeling do you have today with this does that bring some confusion i hope that you would see today that that you belong as a part of a community of believers that we do this collectively god loves us individually but we do this as a community of people does that bring fear maybe, absolutely. And that's okay. But I hope that you would see that that brings great excitement. That this is how God decided to work in this world, to proclaim the good news, to bring the best news of this world. It is messy in all shapes and ways, but it is absolutely beautiful. So my hope and prayer for us as a community of people would be that you would come and join, come and and be a part of what's happening and going on here. This Wednesday, we have our first small group. It's at 6.30 p.m. right here. We're going to be meeting in there. We have snacks that will be here, and they're homemade snacks, all right? I'm excited about this. There's going to be a time where you're going to get to come and meet more people that are a part of this community, that you will be able to sit in circles for six weeks, six weeks we will come and gather and get to know each other and hear how God is working in this world and in our lives. And if you're interested in being a part of that, or maybe you're like, you know, Wednesdays just don't work for me, man. Like, um, sorry. That's all right. But we'd love to get you connected in, in some way, shape, or form. In the back, by uh, you can see the follow banner. There's a sign-up sheet there. There's already been a bunch of people who have signed up to be a part of this. I would invite you to join us to see what Jesus was showing his followers thousands of years ago, that this is not just something that we do individually, but something that we live out as a community as well.